0: Greetings and welcome back to Broken Boxes podcast. In this episode, we will hear from artist Dakota Kamatsu. They speak to us through song and story about depth in relationship to land, community, and in what ways they practice their art. They speak on mindfulness in social media, protocol, witnessing elders and self, accountability, how to embrace challenges as gifts, and so much more. Dakota is an exceptional human being who I feel very blessed to have met in this life. And I'm really grateful to be able to share this conversation with you all. Now for a bit of context about Dakota, before we get started, I wanted to read an excerpt from their bio. Dakota Kamatsu is a Matau or Chamaru, artist born and raised in coast salish territory who creates indigenizing processes by weaving languages of altar making movement film music and prayer exploring the overlap between integrity ancestral and indigenous lifeways true love and accountability guiza or they activates a Matao worldview to make offering towards Inafa Maulik, or balance in harmony with all of life. Following our conversation, we will hear a very special unreleased song by Dakota Camacho, exclusively presented for this Broken Boxes episode. More information on Dakota and how to learn about their work can be found in the show notes thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for being here on Broken Boxes Dakota and I've just really enjoyed your friendship and getting to know you over the past few years doing various projects and just being in community with you And so I just wanted to invite you into the space to introduce yourself any affiliations any way you like to open up a space.
1: And um, we'll just go from there. And I go, Mogupozo, he langue who has to eat. Nata, no, Tum balai zu zan himen ya nao. Na lo la <laughs> ili la ha zu ha itin naat zu. An na ehu pangata let na do magaijo zen imen yana hu na la la yin na la hazu ha na to zu
2: hoy day ina an husi da kota akantara Muffin Yagudzu Giza Itanu Snohomish, Zamapotadzu, Giza Itanu Swinamish, Shwedab, Zen Dok Dopsh, Matauzu, Ginani Man Morphon and Tautau, Gin and Laguas, Tse, Zen Eginzu, Tautau Mong, Tom Homes and Naganyanzu. Hello, my people that look after each other. My name is Zakota, Alcantara um, Kamatsu. And I was born and raised in Snohomish and Swinomish territory, and uh, also in Doktobch territory Duwamish territory. And I am Matao, which is also known as uh, Chamorro or Chamoru. And I am from the islands of Lugwas, which are also currently known as uh, the Marianas, um, from the islands of Guahan. And I also have lineage in Saipan. And I am from the, the villages of Momong, Tomhom and Haganya, and from the clans of Tse and Eging. And I introduce myself to you first through song, um, because, well, because I believe that song is one of the clearest ways to communicate who we are. And one of the clearest ways to uh, speak from and to the heart. And also partially because One time I was at this Indigenous gathering and this auntie kind of yelled at everybody and said, you all just need to sing more often to each other. And I remember that moment because she, you know, everybody was going around doing their introductions in this kind of like very rote Indigenous kind of way. Right. You know, like um it's like oh i'm from this village and blah 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 here's my language okay pass it to the next person and she came into the space and she was like i am the auntie of the
1: space
2: and everybody needs to sing to each other And it changed my life, that moment changed my life because I love to sing and I get, I get nervous. You know, I think there's all these ways that oppression has told me in different ways that my voice isn't right or doesn't sound good. And, and, you know, there's different teachings and communities i have been a part of where it's not about, you know, how you sound, you know, it's about what's happening in your heart. And I, I love to sing. I love breathing. I love, you know, the way that singing brings you into consciousness and awareness of your body. It's like this moment that in some ways can also be about like working through some stuff, you know, it can, like volunteering to sing or being volunteered to sing can be a moment of healing. And, and it's just the way that I like to introduce myself. I like to have a moment of breath and pause.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for naming all of that. It's so important to have song in our life and I I love that about you that you continually bring that into my life too. So thank you for passing on that good anti energy <laughs> onto me. I really appreciate it and to my listeners and um, speaking of singing, let's talk about who you are in the world, like what space do you take up? What's your work about? How would you contextualize yourself to um, to an audience who might not be aware of your practice?
2: Well, I want to start with this song because it came to me through a peculiar set of stories, which is that I was asked by a friend of mine. His name's Mario and he's Tongan and he was working at a school in in White Center. I think it's in White Center. Um, but West Seattle. And the school was failing the Pacific Islander students, the Pacifica students. And so he called me in and he said, hey, can you share with, share with these people some song and dance from your people? I said, sure. And at that time, and still to this day, I you know I was working for an oral history project, which is called Ifan Alayan. And it's based at the University of Guahan. And we primarily share oral history through traditional style chant. So I said, yes, I will come on that day and I'll do that. And so I I, I went and I shared chant and dance. And, you know, I have been working as a facilitator of space for a long time. I started doing that as a teenager when I was doing poetry through Youth Speech Seattle um, and the Catalyst Project, um, which was through Washington Asian Pacific Islander Families Against Substance Abuse in, in Chinatown, you know, and different curriculums like undoing institutionalized racism, YUIR, you know, CARA, which is Communities Against Rape and Abuse, HIDMO, all these different community organizations have given me information and clues and allowed me to take action about the ways that young people um, are being targeted by the state and how our experiences in the schools are connected to institutionalized oppression and racism and uh, de- gender based violence and domestic and sexual violence. And you know, all of these kind of systems are, are tying in. And so when a community members like, hey, will you come and share this with us? I'm like, yes, this is the medicine for all of for all of those moments. And so I come and I, I do that. And, and it was a beautiful experience. I still remember the faces of some of the young people that I got to work with. And at the end, Mario gave me this beautiful lay. It was so gorgeous it was rainbow colored and like bright rainbow colored and it had these like little triangle pieces and i was like oh my god that's the most beautiful lay i've ever seen and then i started to get all judgmental because i realized that they were like you know food coloring dyed flower stems or flower leaves and it was like like glued maybe hot glued onto styrofoam plate pieces that were cut into triangles And I was, you know, and the part of me that's like, oh, I just shared all these traditional style chants with you is like, what is this, Mario? So I'm like, Mario, what's up with this? And Mario's like, well, this lay we made for you because of the story of the rainbow bridge. And I was like, oh, I've never heard this story before. And so the way that I remember him telling me the story was, and I'm gonna do the fast-ish version if there is such a thing, was that, you know, there was a time when when the space between the realms of of the Atua of the Akua of you know the Asaina even Asaina was thinner. And there was an Akua, an Asina named Tangaroa Tangaroa, Kanaloa, who had a baby with a human, and that baby's name um I think it was it might have been Maui, but don't quote me. So I'm a horrible storyteller for for this story. Um anyway this this young man would go between the realms and would, from the realm of the Akua, would bring down gifts to the humans. And the humans were like, oh, my gosh, how cool. Like, that's so awesome. You can just walk right up there to the heavens. Thanks for the gifts. But after a while, they started to get jealous. And they were like, why don't we have access, you know, to the realm of, of, of the gods? And so one day they tried to follow, follow this son of Tangaroa, of Kanaloa. Up The rainbow bridge which they knew they weren't supposed to be doing So this son of Kanaloa Tangaroa turns around and is like, oh my gosh people on the bridge What the heck you're not supposed to do that and he's like, please don't violate the tapu the kapu the atota Please, please, please don't do that Um, And the people freak out and then a conflict ensues and they end up killing him Which of course upsets Tangaroa so he comes down from the realm of the Asaina and he's like human beings, you've murdered my son. No, and he smashes the rainbow bridge into pieces and the humans don't have access to that space again. But then he starts to feel pity for them, you know, he's like, oh, those humans, they're just human, you know, getting jealous, having emotions, you know, they're not like us, you know, us ascended beings, and decides to give the rainbow bridge back to the people through shards of the pieces that broke, but he coded them into song and dance. So that if they ever wanted to travel again to the realm of the ancestors, which are their ancestors, You know, of course, they want to be close and connected, not just for the gifts, but, you know, to be close to their, the ones that came before them. Um, They could do that, but only when they're literally in harmony with each other through song and dance. So Mario tells me the story and I'm like, oh, I forgive you, man. Like, it doesn't need to be that traditional of a lay or whatever. And I take that story with me and maybe a year or some time passes by and I'm in Guahan. And I had just done this community event. It was really beautiful. It was so gorgeous. We had all these different types of artists come and activate this gallery. And we were really, really Chamorro about it. You know, we like had chants going on and we had like poems and language and like dances with like breadfruit, lemai we call it. And you know, somebody was doing this beautiful song that was like, decolonize, decolonize. You know, it was like such a great night. And then I get invited to go to Hawaii. And so I get on a plane and I leave Guahan and I'm crying and I'm like, also I'm going to Hawaii. How beautiful. And we're flying in. And I start thinking about my connection to this place, which is that my Papa was in Hawaii during world war two on the USS Oregon. And he survived the Pearl Harbor bombing there. And my dad was born there at, um, I think it's called Tripler hospital. It's, the big pink building up on top of the hill like as you come out out of the airport and I'm looking at the land and you know I have I have Kanaka friends um, who have shared a lot of beautiful stories and teachings with me about their place and so I'm looking at all these mountainsides and thinking about all these great ancestors and thinking about how this land this Aina this Tano has cared for generations of Kanaka and also for my family for my dad and for my Papa and out of reverence and respect for these ancestors. I started singing this song and it's the song of our creation story. And and for me, it was a, it was a moment of gratitude. You know, I'm like, for some, what for whatever reason, I've been called to this place to sing these songs, to share my dances and my words. And I'm so grateful it, it felt like the land had called me to do this work and so i was i started to sing this chant and and the chant starts off like
1: e t e n i t u e t e n i t u Yeah, hello. hululu.
2: And as I sing that that last word in the chant za hululu, which in our language means creator. It also means the most high. I'm looking out the window and a rainbow portal opens up in front of the airplane. And I start freaking out, but I'm like, got to keep finishing the chant, you know? So I'm like, and I'm like looking around being like, anybody looking? Is anybody else noticing this? Am I just making this up? You know, and I get all quiet and I just keep chanting and I start crying and Finish the chat when it finishes. Yeah, hello,
1: E Yeah, hello, E nasu. E za And
2: when I say ha, the airplane flies through the rainbow portal and I turn to look and it closes. And I'm just completely washed over with this incredible feeling of fugu, of chicken skin. And I'm like, I'm going to make it through customs. It's going to be all right. You know, like I went through the rainbow portal, you know, the U.S. federal government can't stop me. And I, I get down, you know, and my cousin picks me up from the airport and takes me to his house and... And then he's like, "Look, I got to take care of my baby. My baby needs a nap. Go do your thing. You know, here's our house." So I go outside, wear Manoa, and I just start singing the song, this melody that comes to me, and and that's the song that I that I open us up with today. That's kind of what I do in the world. I listen, I respond. I, you know, document my experience and I try to look for, not too hard, but I do try to be aware of these weavings, you know, these connections, these ancestral lines that have always been and will always be and create opportunities for us to make those visible and to strengthen and maintain those connections. I like to do it through song and dance and any kind of creative expression that moves and heals and yeah.
0: <laughs> so how do you find your community? I mean, when you're moving in a space that is so incredibly like vulnerable as a creative spirit, how do you find your people and how do you connect? How do you, how do you stay in community? especially since you live outside of your homeland. I grew up
2: in a really big Chamorro community. You know, my nana and papa were the second family to move over from Guahan, And then more came after that. I grew up actually like connected to the land that we grew up on. We would, we would have big Chamorro parties on the beach where we would go clamming and shrimping and salmon fishing. And, and did I say crabbing already? Um, and, we would come back to my papa's house and split up the catch and make clam chowder. And my nana was a Tetsa, So she was was a a ceremonial chant leader for the funeral rites. And so she would get called on, you know, to go and, and say the prayers for somebody when they passed. And my papa was a legendary chef. Like my uncle died, like my dad's sister's brother's, sister, wait, my dad's sister's brother's brother died last year and that family was like, boy, do you remember your, your papa's clam chowder? You know, it like lives on. So I have this sense of connection to community, to Chamorro community. I moved to the city when I was a teenager, you know, in large part, cause I, I grew up in a Navy town that didn't, that was, you know, 20,000 people at that time. I didn't have a concept of this at that moment. I knew it was very white. I didn't know it was 90% white. Um, I just realized that recently when I looked at the census from the years that I lived there, I was queer. I'm still queer, it hasn't changed, but it was difficult to be a Pacifica, indigenous, queer, raised poor, freaking working class individual um, whose family was Catholic you know, who didn't talk about colonization, but like all of the people that I thought were cool were like trying to end imperialism and abolish prisons in the United States, right? Like it was like, that was like a whole, in a Navy town, right? So I moved to the city and there was a way in which there was a salvation to it, you know? And the community that I found through that and through my sister, but also through wanting to build with creatives was the community that was built by was built by black folks by black women, you know, women of color, men of color too, and people who were using or thinking about their cultural work as a part of ending systemic oppression, you know, and not just here in the city, but connecting gentrification to colonization, to imperialism, the wars in our our neighborhoods to the wars in our homelands. And that that basically taught me that anyone that is engaged in the struggle to free themselves is somebody that I can get down with is somebody that I've got a connection with. And as I deepen my understanding of what that means, it, it brought in that, um, because you know there's there's a, there's a, something that I think is happening in the movement to end domestic and sexual violence right now, where a lot of people are talking about, The solutions that we've always had outside of the state and, you know, and that a lot of us have really done our best to, um, you know, like, like the auntie that tells her brother, you're not going to drive home drunk with your kids, you know, that's, that's an intervention to stop violence, right? That kind of work is happening interpersonally, which and highlighting that and becoming aware of that tells us that. A lot of us are doing movement work, whether or not we recognize it. And so it's also meeting those people, right? And those people being my people, right? Like the, my community are, look, I don't really go to church very often unless I'm with my Chamorro family. But my friend, Star, her dad is a preacher, Star Kalahiki. And when I'd go to their house, their mom and dad pray. They pray for me when I arrive and when I leave. Those are my people, you know? That, Papa's like, here's a bottle of the Holy Spirit, you know? And I'm like, thank you. And that helps me, you know? Like, those are my people, you know? Like, it's beyond language and definition. And it's, it's a feeling, you know? La- yesterday, someone was telling me, uh, Uncle Roger Fernandez, who's call um, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, Nia Bay is one of the places that he belongs to. It's another way I can say it. If anyone's listening that recognizes and can call me up and tell me the correct pronunciation, or you don't have to do that, but you can, if you want to song me if you want to tell me off, but you know, he was saying that he heard a story from one of his elders about in the olden days, you show up at somebody's space and you just sit in silence for a long time and you let your hearts talk to each other, you know, like, that's, that's how I find community, you know, more so than more so than than words, words are great. I love when people can articulate where they're coming from. But I have to feel you. You know, I have to feel your intention, your breath, your spirit. And that's embodied, you know, and it's also a journey, you know, I've also been really wrong about people. I've been really, really wrong. And it's not that pe- some people are bad and some people are good. I, I have this idea that it's at, it, it may or may not be true, but it's at least useful to believe that all people are good. <laughs> and, and I, you know, have very naively believed that that means that people that I know and that I'm close to, that I care about, you know, I've allowed people to do messed up things to me, you know? Um, So that's also my learning and my journey, you know? That's also the, the human frailty, you know, that I have. So, and I consider that a part of the learning, you know?
0: I mean, and that's also a part of community, right? I mean, that is such a big part of community is learning those edges with each other and boundaries and how to get stronger as you move through those times that you have been harmed in some way by a community member.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a reality, you know, and it is it in noticing that and acknowledging that in our communities is also how we find our people.
0: Yeah, and I'm talking about community, but like in a little bit more of an art based space, you bring in culture, you bring in song and dance from your community, from your homelands, from your people, and then you also activate in a contemporary art world. And that can be complicated. And how do you protect yourself? Um, How do you stay safe? How do you respect what is shareable and what's not as you become more and more activated in the contemporary art world?
2: Well, I try to stay really close to my elders. I try to stay really close to my elders and ask questions, you know, and ask for permission but also that's so fraught <laughs> it's so fraught not because it doesn't matter it matters greatly but because i don't know it, it because it is you know asking for permission is so is so interesting I, I that that's a whole other conversation to have we'll have to have i think when we think more about it but that that's one thing you know um you know especially with the material from light and you know, I, I have done a lot with the material that my teacher, Leonard Iriarty, has not allowed anybody else to do. Why he lets me get away with it, I kind of still don't know. Um, but he loves it. And I think and I think that part of it is the heart that I bring to it, but also the deep respect and understanding that I have for what the potential of, of different types of cultural practices can do. I'm still learning so much like I you know I am sure I'm sure I'm doing things you know all the time that could rub people the wrong way and I have and so I just try to stay open you know open to feedback open to conversation um, open to growing and and then there's the aspect of it you know you talk about protecting myself and it's, it, that is so interesting to me because this week I had a conversation with an arts presenter who was honestly wasting my time. They were just honestly wasting my time. Like they were like, I just am trying to think about how our organization can, you know, really come to the table, you know, in a way that is, uh, you know, truly bringing something. And I'm like, that's great. Go think about that and come back to me. And I feel like I sound probably kind of rude or something right now, but it is a part of it, right? Like I think we, as I think as indigenous peoples, we have to be so clear about what we bring to the table all the time. Not only because people aren't clear about what they want from us and and they think that they want us and what we bring. But then we're like, oh, by the way, working with us requires you to like give the land back and completely change all of your systems. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe like 5% of you. We want just like five, the top 5%. Like, can we just take your hair? You know, we're like, no. So, you know, being in community with people who are willing to back me up to be like, yes, Dakota, be holistic, you know? Like don't don't give up any part of yourself. Yesterday I had to write, yesterday I guess was the day of conflict. I wonder what the Mayan calendar says about the energy um, of yesterday. But yesterday I had to write an email to somebody that wants to do this great program, but they want me to sign a contract that says that whatever I present becomes their property And they can promote and trade and own my, my image. They can make merchandise out of it. And I can't revoke their rights to do that. And neither can my descendants. I'm like, no way. I have no right to sign away my descendants rights and I have the responsibility to protect them. So, you know, and it's like, it's, and so I, I wrote, I wrote a response, you know, I thought it was very generous. And apparently some of my Facebook family did too, um, which I was pleased to find out because sometimes I think I can be a little bit, um I don't know. I, I can be harsh sometimes, believe it or not. Here I'm all like, I sing to welcome you and the elements to everything, but don't mess with my land or my people Um or me. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's, And then, and then I, I I wrote the email and then I copy and pasted it. I took the organization's name out and put it on my Facebook. And you know, some people are like, I shared this, you know, um, with so-and-so, oh, was that okay? You know, I did this and that, or I want to send it to this. Some people were like, what's your Venmo? Which I really appreciated. It's kind of funny. I don't, this is maybe a bit of an aside, but the people that were like, what's your Venmo? i was like oh no it's all good you know what i mean i i support you and the people that were like i shared this with so-and-so there's a part of me that was like did you did you really thanks but you know and then this this kanaka or if he hit me up and was like hey like you know i shared this with so-and-so i'm so sorry i didn't ask for your permission i deleted it and then you know if you say it's okay i'll share it with them again and i, and I was like no problem you know if it's for the people if it's for the people it's all good and i I think that there is, there's something about that kind of generosity and knowledge sharing that's also a part of the protection, you know, and also a part of keeping me accountable and, and staying safe in these spaces because it's telling my people, this is the level of integrity that I hold myself to. You know, I kind of expect the same and are we doing this or are we not, you know, so once I said once I set, once I set a, a a a boundary with people or an organization, you know that's it. I also told the organization I will not be revising your contract unless you pay me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's important though, you know that that amount of free labor to teach like spaces how to be more understanding of different ways of doing things and what's appropriate and not. That is a lot of labor, so I appreciate that. And just that segue that you did talking about social media and stuff, that's something that I've been kind of teasing out of a lot of conversations I've been having with my community, um, people who I'm in accomplishmentship and solidarity with um, through this project is social media is a very complicated space. And it's something that we access right now as like a layer of community. And like, how do you keep yourself safe in that space as well. I think there's call out culture, there's a lot of like sharing and like having accountability like reflected back, but it can get out of context and roller coaster into dark places really quickly. So what are some measures you've been taking to like have a strong heart in that place?
2: Yeah, one of the one of the things that I, you know, I've shared that there's mistakes that I've made. One of the things that I think that I'm probably known for in Chamorro community, if you know about me, not everybody would know about me, but if you do, unfortunately, one of the things that you might know about me is that I have very strong opinions about Chamorro cultural dance. And I have written about these opinions quite a lot. And sometimes that has pissed off a lot of people. And, you know, that was really hard because they're my people and here i am thinking that i'm gonna write this and people are gonna be like oh wow like what a cool idea you know how interesting yeah you're right we should think more deeply about this like like oh we should call up dakota and like have a conversation about you know what this is that was not the response right the response was like this person is trash you know, who is this, like, Chamorro academic that thinks that they know something about the culture, that they don't even live here, you know, they're not even from here, you know? And, like, years later, people are, like, is it called shadow tweeting, subtweeting? People are subtweeting about me. And, like, people are messaging me screenshots and being like, oh, so-and-so's talking about you. And I'm like, you know, these days, I try to care very little. Of course, there's the parts of my heart that are like, oh, I just want you to like me, you know? but that's also trauma you know that's also my family god bless them not having the space to love me the way that a young person needed to be loved you know and that's about capitalism that's not about my family my family is great don't you dare try and you know talk crap about my family we did our best you know and it's not i needed more you know and i only wasn't able to get it because of oppression so anyway that's a bit of an aside but In that process i learned about a lot about myself you know i I, the especially the people that were very vocal people that were like coming onto my facebook uh feed like talking crap to me i try to integrate the feedback that was useful and sort through the the other stuff that wasn't you know which also i processed a lot of those questions in my creative work you know coming out of that and so and i would reach out to people be like, hey, you shared this feedback with me, like, let's connect, you know? Like, and and that's also kind of one of my principles is like, if I have feedback for somebody, let me try and strengthen the relationship, you know, if I can, um, you know, if I have capacity for it. There's some people that have done some things that I'm like, ooh, I need to, I, I don't, you know? And that's my own healing to do, you know what I mean? Because I also have a responsibility to get closer if I can. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that t- tug and pull And and so trying to be understanding of other people doing that too, right? You know, and, and I, one of the results of that is that there was this whole webinar series, you know, where Chamorro dancers, especially the ones that were, I think, offended about what I had to say about it, you know, produced a whole Chamorro dance webinar. You know, they invited me to speak. And I think that that's great. Honestly, all I wanted was for conversation to happen. I, I you know, I wanted more people to be talking about it and like, Having thorough discussion and and I, and I do yearn for more of that. I think, you know, I think that one thing I learned from that moment was that what I was hoping would happen, like really deep discussions about method and practice and power dynamics and globalization and cultural appropriation. I still think that there's a level of honesty that people in my community. Um, I think there's a level, I think that people felt attacked. And that that and that people feeling attacked halted the conversation from going to the places that I wanted it to go and so that taught me about the limits of writing my thoughts on my blog you know what I mean and putting that onto the world thinking that it was a good idea you know thinking that I could like have generative conversations over social media about stuff that people actually took really personally you know so I guess I'm that's kind of one of my learnings is like we actually do take social media quite personally. So how can I make it a personal experience? You know, and I, can't, I care about the people that I'm in community with, you know? So I try to give people random calls and Facebook video chats. And if I'm in your area, I'll visit you because I think that that's, that's, in, that's important, you know?
0: yeah i agree and that's one thing that i love about you is getting calls from you check-ins and watching your like ig live songs just randomly it just fills my heart with joy (laughs) it's like my favorite part of the month is i'm always looking if you're gonna drop drop a song for me (laughs) and (laughs) whoever else is on so I I do agree that we take social media really seriously, especially as the pandemic hit and we were like extracted out of our communities, either like our cultural communities or our like chosen cultural communities. We've been looking to social media to kind of like have bond with people. And it is hard not to take things personally at this time. And there is a lot of growing to do through how to be in community in a space where you can't have each other's breath and give each other hugs and see each other's eyes and facial expressions. So I really appreciate you naming that as a learning curve. And I think you're not alone. I think everybody is learning how to be in community with each other on this like really bizarre platform. So speaking of learning points and growing, like what is some advice that maybe has been given to you or that, you have and you're like building within your own vessel of self that you could share with artists who are like trying to come into the world and find their voice and find their footing what what are some seeds of advice that you want to share and it can be through story or song or just your own experience
2: one of the most incredible teachings that i do not understand (laughs) is that if there's something that has come to you. It's because the ancestors. Are preparing you for what's coming next. And they believe that you will make it through. That challenge. And they know that you need that challenge in order to prepare for the thing that's coming next. Straight from strike Quai, he used to tell me that all the time. I would be like, Oh, my life is so hard. All these things are going on, you know? And he'd be like, he would basically tell me the same story, you know, or tell me a different story that would end with the same freaking teaching. And I swear I would do that. Like thinking that he would give me some sort of new advice, you know, (laughs) he never did. And I say, I joke that I don't understand it. I mean, I think that I'm starting to integrate it in certain ways. Like last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, I forget when, maybe it was two weeks ago, I woke up feeling like crap. I felt so horrible. I got up and I made breakfast and I ate it and I answered my emails and I just worked through it, you know? And that might seem like a really simple example. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's other ones too, you know, but I think that's, I'm still I am still trying to understand that. Like last month I was going through all this emotional stuff. It was horrible. I was like I, and I told my friend last night I was like I think that was one of the worst parts of my life. And they were and they were like they were like, "Yeah, I don't think you're exaggerating." Um I didn't say worst, hardest. Not worst. Hardest. It was one of the hardest parts of my life. And they're like, "I don't think you're exaggerating." I don't think I was either. Um, you know, I'm not exactly excited to see what what must be coming next then um, But I do know that I'm prepared a little bit better than I was And then you know, Squawk also gave me this other piece of wisdom That I'm trying to bring into all my practices, which is he said, you know, before you sing an ancestral song Take at least three deep breaths, you know, the ancestral song to me is any moment you get to speak like we are literally our ancestors embodied. Like literally their DNA, you know? Like a sperm and an egg collided one day and boom, there you are. And like, there's this cool thing about how like the the egg that made me was inside of my grandmother. <laughs> that blew my mind, right? And so this body, this speech, these thoughts, you know, my language, hasu means to remember, to imagine, and to think it's, it's all cyclical and in continuum. So when I speak, that's also the song, you know, so three deep breaths, even when I teach classes, that's one of the first things that we do. Um, I'm, I'm cracking up at myself because I'm, I'm teaching a class at, um, at a university this semester. And um, on the first day of class, you know, these students, first of all, they didn't even know they were signing up for this course. I was just filling in for a professor, right? And so they show up. I had sent them this great email that was like, adai, la You know, they're like, whoa. Um, but I'm like, welcome to class, everyone. I want us to begin by acknowledging that we are the primordial stardust. That at the beginning of the universe, a fireball and an ice ball collided and made the earth And the steam and the air and that all of those elements that were present in that very moment are alive inside of each of you. And I want us to take a moment to put our minds on this as we take three deep breaths. And then I start chanting, and then I'm like, and this is how we'll begin class every day, you know? And, you know, I mean, at the very least, it prepares me to teach. <laughs> 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 I think they enjoy it, too. I think, no, I know for sure. They, they talk, a lot of them talk about how they need that moment, you know? Mm. But breath.
0: Oh, I love that. I think that that is such an incredible bit of knowledge and wisdom that is as old as time. So thank you. As old as we were able to have breath, you know, it is our source. So thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I guess my final kind of consideration that I want you to like walk me and my audience through is how can people, we went through the rabbit hole a little bit of how people are not being good accomplices and are not being supportive of like like indigenous holistic ways of activating as artists in space. So what are some ways through that? How can accomplices who are trying to lean towards being more supportive, what are some tips that, um, you can provide with minimal, like, extraction from your being, so that people can kind of do their work and do better in accomplishment to um, indigenous artists.
2: Literally just back our leadership. That's it. Just back our leadership. A lot goes into how we think and what we do. And if you don't understand it, or if you're having emotional reactions to it, notice that in yourself and then do the work to clean that up. And if you think that what we're doing is a bad idea, maybe sit with the feelings that are coming up that that are causing you to think that way. That's not to say that sometimes native people, indigenous peoples aren't doing things that are out of alignment. You get to notice that too. Um, But even in those moments, how can you back our leadership? You know, get closer to us, get to know us, build relationships, you know that's that's where transformation and change comes from. So um, and then and then the other piece is just do do the internal work, do the ancestral work. Who are your people? What languages did they speak? You know, what languages did your grandparents speak? Why or why not? And surface surface that surface that wisdom within your own lineage and not to replace or displace us, but to contribute.
0: Yes, that's beautiful wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing that. This has been an incredible conversation. I just adore you. I think you're so important. And I feel your presence in the world is so necessary and just the energy that you move through your being. And so thank you for coming on and speaking to my audience. And um, is there anything that you want to share as we close out our time together here? let's just
2: let's just take three deep breaths i know we just did that but what's more breath
0: (laughs) thank you okay everybody let's get down on this three deep breaths
1: We live our life by the original ways Of love, peace, and friendship our ancestors made Hina famole I take care of the land cause my body is earth And when I die I will return to the dirt and feed all the seeds giving birth to the trees bearing leaves and fruit that my children will eat Eat. So burns hot, sad, the sun is my core. My body came from Fortnite, she's my creator. Pawn of all became the air and the wind. I'm one with the spirit when I breathe out and in. and calls out for not nah, soon I will die turn my back to the earth and my chest to the sky grieving what's lost and whatever can be from the genesis of death she creates everything yeah. life by the original ways of love peace and friendship our ancestors made in that family in that goal we eat